Before we get into the podcast, I just want to take a minute to tell you a little bit about our Rockstar Coaching Course. The Rockstar Coaching Course is not your typical coaching course, guys. This is an eight-week online coaching course that you as the box owner head coach will go through with your entire team together. I created this course because as much as I've gotten value over the years through courses like the level one, level two, level three, and specialty seminars, I've always felt like something was missing when it came time to translate that information back into a great class experience and in turn a successful gym. As a box owner and coach, I quickly found that soft skills like group management, relationship building, and communication skills were far more important to building a successful gym. So I created the Rockstar Coaching Course to put all those skills in a single course and to do it in a way where an entire team of coaches can do it together, not just the owner or one or two coaches going off and doing it on their own. So if you're a box owner and you're looking to develop a stronger and more cohesive team, upgrade your class experience, confidently coach less classes, and retain more members, then this is the course for you. If you sign up today, use code 7 at checkout, and not only will you receive $100 off, but you'll also receive two 45-minute coaching calls with myself to troubleshoot any area of your coaching and your team development, as well as lifetime access to the course. Head over to sevenfigurebox.com slash course to learn more and sign up. Welcome to the Seven Figure Box podcast. My name is Andrew Frezza, and I'm joined by some special guests today. I have Ashley Lawyer and Lacey Nelson from Iron and Mortar Gym and the Iron and Mortar Summit. So welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Um, So I want to kick things off. We're going to be doing this in a couple episodes, but this first episode, we're going to focus on the Iron and Mortar Summit, which I'm signed up for in June. I'm super excited about, and I want to talk to you guys about it. And from what I understand of talking to you previously, the Iron and Mortar Summit Summit came before the Iron and Mortar Gym. So can you tell me a little bit about getting started with the summit? Whose idea was it? And uh, what was like the timeline like for starting the summit? Yeah, um, pretty interesting story. So I am a business consultant. Well, I've kind of hung up that hat for right now because I'm pouring all my energy into all things iron and mortar. But I um, teach leadership and management skills. And I had put on a seminar. And at the time, Brendan was working at another gym. And I had invited him. He was my coach. And I went there to work out. And I had invited him to come check out the seminar. And it was on interviewing and hiring and smart techniques and a way to do that um, in a very measured and smart way. And he said, oh my goodness, afterwards, we need more of this kind of education in the CrossFit space. There's not a lot of it in the functional fitness industry uh, that he was aware of at the time. And I said, that's great. He said, you should really put on a seminar for people. And I smiled and said, that is so kind of you, Brendan, but no one is going to come and listen to me. (laughs) But um, however, he sparked an idea. And I have a, a wonderful friend who runs a summit in the photography industry and I had come in and helped her uh, run logistics on it for a couple years and I'd seen this model and so of course my brain started going and I thought huh I have an idea so within 24 hours um, I had pitched the idea to Brendan and said what do you think would you want to help me coordinate something like this that's not featuring me but featuring people that actually others will want to come here and how can we put this this thing together 
And it just snowballed from there. And the idea was born in, I think we had, the idea was born in what? April. April? And then it, the first one was September. It's kind of a crazy timeline, but. Wow. And this was 2017, right? Yes. Yes. 2017. 20, yes. Awesome. So what what were the next steps? I mean, how do you go from idea to having like, an actual summit? Like what, what does that quick timeline look like? Oh goodness. It's laying out the, first of all, just what is this thing going to look like? What is our goal? What, what are we trying to accomplish? And at that point it was bringing the industry together and creating a space to uh, bring speakers, people in that have gone before and share what they know. And it wasn't honestly much more sophisticated than that at that time. And it, but it was getting it, saying it out loud, nailing it down, and then saying, what's it going to look like, putting the flow together, figuring out how many people do we need to pull on board, the figuring out how are we going to get the word out. This amazing woman, Ashley next to me, came on board very early on after the first meeting around the kitchen table at their home. Yes. And she heard us going over the budget and the branding costs and stepped in and said, you don't have that much money. <laughs> Yeah, I, I brought that down pretty quickly. Not that as as a group, we've gotten far more sophisticated each of our skills as we've gone along. But, you know, that first year I did what I could and kind of what we could afford at that point. And it's progressive as we've gone. And so Ash came on as like control of the brand very early on. What does it look like? What does it feel like? really help us think those things through. Um, anything that looks nice that comes out of iron and mortar is all her. So she makes so everything beautiful. This beautiful retail area we're looking at is <laughs> Correct. all after. Yes. Actually, this is Brendan. Actually, this is my husband, his idea. I'll give him credit there. But yes, we, <laughs> we, we executed it and we're pretty proud of it. Um, yeah. I would tell people it just takes like one moment of being brave and saying it out loud and like signing up to do it. And then you just got to make it work from there. I, yeah. <laughs> I was like talking to my mom on the phone after we had a meeting at the kitchen table. I was going to my other job at that point. And I remember hearing myself out loud saying, oh yeah, we're going to put on, a, on, on an event for affiliate owners. And just in my head, being like, you're doing what? Like, <laughs> how is that going to happen? And, but just committing to the idea. Mm-hmm having several panic attacks along the way, but then just committing to it. Signing the first contract with the space we were holding it in and putting our names on the line for a significant amount of money, whether it failed or not, we were going to be on the hook for that money. The hotel doesn't care if you're successful or not. They want their money. So um, that was a really big moment in I think for all of us and also, you know, tipped us over the edge a few moments of like, what have we done when we, when we signed and we're like, well, now it has to work because we're all in and uh, we got some money on the line. Got to be paid whether it's successful or not. So nice. So was that the, like one of the first things you did or did you have any speakers that were, you were already talking to, did you have anything in the works or how did you guys minimize your risk along the way was, yeah. How did you manage that? I don't think we did really. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was April at that point, and in the Pacific Northwest, summer and September is a busy time for weddings, venues, hotels. 
this is the time when people visit. They certainly don't come this time of year. Um, so we knew we had to get something booked and we just kind of put the rest in good faith, I think. And we also had had the thought if we're not willing to take the first step and put some skin in the game and get, you know, put ourselves out there and having a, a place we're actually going to hold it, the conversations yeah. are probably going to move a lot slower. Um, so I think that it gave us some validity with who we were speaking with and we could say we have a date, we have a location. This is happening. Cool. cool. Um, yeah, I have a ton of follow-up questions on this. Um, yeah. <laughs> the first one is just really, the thing that fascinates fascinates me the most is this idea that there's there's no gatekeepers anymore. I mean, this podcast that you guys are on right now was just a decision to start helping other affiliate owners out there. And I think that's where times have really changed over the last couple of years, couple of decades, is that if you want to do something, you can do it almost immediately if you decide. So what what was I guess what was the confidence builder for you guys to to push over the edge? Why did you know that you could could make this happen? And like how do how do others assess when they want to pull the trigger on something, starting a podcast, starting a new program at their gym, starting a local mastermind or something like that that's similar to what you guys are doing? How do you decide to pull the trigger on that? You want to take that one? I think well. I don't want to oversimplify it, but you just decide you're going to do it and you take the first step and you should do a little risk assessment. And I mean, all of us, when we signed on that, that dotted line for our first contract, we didn't go in totally like, oh, if this fails, we're going to lose our homes. I mean, we did have some thought and we knew how much was on the line. We were willing to take the risk. So we decided, you know, succeed or fail. It was easier for us to sleep at night, taking the risk of succeeding or failing than it was to letting a vision go and watching someone else execute it later. And it's not us and it didn't come from the same place and, yeah. and the heart. And that idea was more painful to us than the risk. And that's how we knew we had to do it. So. Cool. And then let's talk about the building the credibility side. So I like what you said about, you know, you had this you had to get the venue first to give it some kind of credibility, but then how do you build credibility along the way? How do, how are you able to lock in that first speaker? And then were you able to then leverage that into more speakers? How do you, how do you think about it? how do you get people wrapped around this vision? What was the vision? Um, I think it was definitely leading with all of our cards on the table and kind of being vulnerable. We didn't, say, hey, we have this amazing event coming. You should totally be it. It was, this is this idea we have and we think that you could help make it great. You know, will you help us? I think coming in, being honest, saying, you know, we don't have everything together. We could use your help. And people were really responsive to that. I think people are very open to helping people that set their egos aside. Um, I think that was part of the success. Mm -hmm. And um, Stu Brower was the first one. WTF Gym Talk was the first guy to jump on board with us. And he was all in and extending his contacts and his network to us and saying, have you thought about this? And we'd love, you know, he was tremendously helpful from the beginning um, and definitely took when we said we'd love you to help us build something. He took that literally and yeah. really helped 
us to pave the way. Um, and he really paved the way for more connections. Uh, is so that was a big first step yeah. was getting that big yes from. And at the time, he was at the beginning of his building up. I mean, yeah, where he's at now isn't where he was when we we connected. And I think timing was great too. Yeah. It was a beneficial relationship for both of yeah, us. That, that's cool. I think, like you said, being honest, being sincere about where you are at in the process is really, really key. And then not going for the biggest name in the industry right off the bat, right? Being a little bit uh, more smart about kind of who to target first and then where to build from there. And then did it become easier? Like once you got Stu on board, once you got other people on board, did it become easier as things got going or did it become harder at the end? I mean, were you guys scrambling at the last minute to fill it up or how was that first year for you? Honestly, and it's still true, it still stands true today. It is easier for us to acquire speakers um, than it is for us to get people through the door. Um, I think us leading with all our cards on the table really gets speakers on board and they believe in Obviously, a lot of them are consulting, so they believe that the industry needs some help. So they're more than willing to show up where they think it's important for them to be. Um, it's convincing CrossFit gym owners to come. That's actually a lot tougher. It's tougher to get credibility with them than it is with speakers, which is a little crazy. But yeah. that's where we're at even still today. So what are what are the biggest objections? And then the ones who do come, who have come the last two years, like, what are they getting out of it? I mean, where where are they seeing the value for coming? I think objections, and I, I don't believe it's any fault of theirs. We're still learning how to market. And I think education on the physical and coaching side has been happening for a really, really long time. Um, when CrossFit first got started, people needed to learn how to coach for their business to survive and for it to be a safe and thing that actually got people in shape and so now we're kind of leaving that arena and we're coming into okay you learned you learned how to teach a snatch like now you need to learn how to run payroll and manage your employees and I think it's just still a really new thing you know we, we're leaving technician phase and we're coming into sophisticated businesses so I think it's just new it's nobody's fault it's just a new thing. And it's a significant, our ticket prices are, honestly, we're asking for a significant amount of money. And we recognize that and honor that. And of course, we would expect the discerning owner to take a step back and say, what am I getting for this? Um, so that is a hesitation. And however, our people that have taken the step, we have a, a large percent of returning attendees, which is great and speaks to that they keep finding value in it. Mm -hmm. and they will attest, gosh, I need my money back within, you know, sometimes honestly as quick as two weeks from the time of attendance, if they make a quick change in something they're doing, they make that ticket price back um, and then some. So they pick up a piece of information, make a tweak in their business here, decide to take a risk there. Sometimes it's as drastic as redefining vision and mission and really digging in and saying, what does success mean to us? we need to articulate that so clearly and they're pushed and um, helped along the way during their their days there and have that time to just really focus on the business end that doesn't come unless you remove yourself 
from the in the out, the constant interruption. Now I got to run a class, you know, just the reality of the day in the day out. So those, those two days away, surrounded by like-minded people and a crew of mentors that have come to do nothing except spend time with you and extend themselves to you and answer your questions because they're there for the whole thing. They're participating. They're hanging out with people. They want to be approached. They want to have those conversations, those nuanced conversations that are harder to have online. You can't really do it, but in person, you can gain so much in it as well. So people are walking away re-energized new vision and having things that they can immediately apply to make their money back plus a whole lot more heading into their their business fresh off of the summit oh yeah i, I think you can't undervalue getting outside your own four walls and just whether it's to go to a summit whether it's to go see other gyms whether it's to go on vacation there's so much value in it and when you combine all three it's it can be just so powerful for your gym. And I mean, you guys are actually doing the summit. You got your gyms in Washington, the, the summits in, in Portland. So you're specifically doing it for yourselves to get away. You probably could do it cheaper in a closer spot, but you understand the value of getting away from your own gym as well. Absolutely. We're pretty intentional. Uh, we could absolutely even have it at a nice gym in Seattle or, but we just really, really want to get people out of not just their four walls, but out of gyms. Like go to the king of hospitality, go to a luxury hotel. Like you can pick up nuances, even how the staff treats you or what you find in your room to inspire you for your gym experience. It doesn't all have to come from a gym. Cool. Um, I want to talk a little bit about like the business side of the summit and really from the standpoint of like, was your mindset from the get-go, was it in year one just to, like, break even? Was it just kind of, like, scratch your own itch? Like, how do you approach sort of the number side? You don't have to necessarily tell exact numbers, but I think what I, one thing I see with a lot of successful people with new projects is that they set, up, it, set it up in a way where they win even if they don't. So, like, if you guys covered some portion of your cost, you know it was going to be a big benefit to you because you were going to learn so much of this for yourself and and you were going to create these strong relationships with other influential people like Stu and others in this industry so um what's been the mindset with that in terms of like do you want to make this a a very profitable business for you or is it more to kind of scratch your own itch on the knowledge side <laughs> good question really good question um go for it i mean to be very transparent all we've managed to do is break even so far so yeah. There, it's it's a there's a lot of expenses people don't even think about in planning events and putting events on. So, um, our our vision is definitely about continuing to play the role that we can to bring the industry together. All of those um, non monetary benefits that you listed are absolutely true. Yes, uh, those are things that definitely are reasons that we do it and reasons that we benefit from it. Even though we're we're breaking even on it. Would someday we like to get to a point where we're sophisticated enough that we're actually getting paid for the time we pour into it? Absolutely. Uh, do we have do do we have vision for the summit and dreams for it? Yes, but always comes first is serving the community and the brand is staying true to serving what our purpose is, which is bringing the community together in a collaborative space, having 
conversations with like-minded and not like-minded people. We don't always agree on everything. Um, having that, that space where conversations can happen about what is the future of functional, of the functional fitness industry? How do we grow our businesses in this space while still continuing to serve people, help them to discover health and fitness and love life more than they do they could. Embracing all of those things um, isn't generally a mission that historically ever makes anyone a whole ton of money. <laughs> um, so, however, you know, we're very, we're very honest in that eventually we'd like to, you know, get paid for the time to coordinate it. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that until then it's, it's invaluable. Like she is now the general manager at our gym, but as an owner of a gym, yeah, it would be cool to be paid for it one day, but the lessons that I walk away with as a gym owner, not just the person facilitating the event, is it, it's hard to not put it on, you know, knowing what I walk away with every time we finish up an event. It's pretty cool. Definitely. And you guys are so early. I mean, this is going to be the third year. We still have four or five months till that happens. And then you know, you're, you're still brand new on the gym side as well. I mean, if I look, we're at six years with our gym. And if I look back at where we were three years ago, I mean, that's, that's a huge difference. It's, it's tremendous difference. So, I mean, you guys are still so early that I think it's cool that you can, you guys can have this mindset and be patient in that sense, because patience is one of the keys to being successful, um, whether you're a gym owner, whether you're a coach and, and, and valuing the learning you're getting out of something gives you the time to develop skills and to develop, to develop, you know, relationships that's going to lead to a lot more things. So I think it's great that you're doing that. And, you know, for someone like me, it's really cool to have summits to go to that we can share these things. And that, that kind of leads me to the next question, which is how do you, how did you guys try to differentiate, differentiate the actual curriculum of the summit to, be different than what's out there? Had you gone to other stuff that's out, that was out there or you just kind of saw it from the outside and said, hey, we can do it a little bit better? Um, I think we are definitely paying attention to what other people are talking about. Um, and we actually got a question not long ago about, you know, why some, someone should come when there's so much content out there. I think of course, the information and the technical stuff that you walk away with is huge, but the relationship building is even bigger. Um, not only are you hearing people talk, we do one hour lunches on both days with a speaker or table host of your choice. Um, and you get to ask them whatever you want. Like that's not gonna happen when you listen to Jason's podcast, you know, in your car. Yeah. Um, and we think that that's super huge. And, we just work really hard and we try to think of all the details before they come up. And do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. Also, what differentiates us from the market is we are not and do not have any intention of ever becoming a gym, gym consultants as iron and mortar. That's yeah. not who we are. That's not who we want to be. Who we are, are, we provide the platform and bring together the community and help the collaboration happen with a with a vision for collaboration, with a vision for creating space where different ideas can be held in the same space and nobody throws chairs. So <laughs> having us all work together. Um, not yet. It's still not early. Yet. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to yeah. but having a, um, having a space where we can all talk about different ideas uh, that are working and not working and, and invite people in with ideas, uh, speakers to come in with different ideas, not all coming from one perspective. And we're also committed to having a continued rotation of speakers that are invited to participate in our summit, not we have the same faces all the time, every time. Mm -hmm. um, continuing to bring in fresh voices and 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 continuing to invite invite people in that are like our lineup this year is full of the ogs people that have been in this game for a long time and and blending those perspectives together um we're not proposing there's one right way to do it we're not proposing there's one right way to run a successful functional fitness facility we're suggesting there's a lot of crossover and multiple uh things that we all share in common, that all of you that have gone before us share in common, that are successful cornerstones of businesses, no matter, even no matter the industry, successful cornerstones of business, those things are in common, but there's so also so much to pick and choose from as to what fits your culture, what fits your vision for your gym. And hearing from those different voices can help you find your own path and pursue it with passion instead of just slapping yourself slapping a model onto yourself that might not be the right template. And also, gosh, coming back year after year, organizations change, right? You just said, how many times has your organization changed in its development uh -huh. has changed? So also giving us all permission to change and grow and develop our, our vision. Um, and sometimes the end game is really different from what you thought it was going to be when you started. And, yeah. you know, with that and having people guide that process through conversation bringing in the multiple perspectives feeds that helps that to happen cool yeah i think it's i think it's it sets you up for a really good spot to be in that you don't really have skin in the game in any one type of gym right you guys might run your gym a certain way but you're not trying to consult people to run their gyms a certain way and i think that's really key in terms of this being a great event for years to come. And I'm super excited for the lineup you guys have this year, but I think that's that's a huge aspect of it. And I think that's gonna differentiate you moving forward in this, this space. So I think that's a cool idea that people can take to their gyms, they can take to any side project is think about what differentiates you from, from other people that are already doing it. Don't just try to do it better or or the same in a different area, try to do it differently. And I think that's that's really cool that you guys have that approach. Um, one question I had is in terms of the last three years, what, what things have become easier for you now that it's year three? I mean, it sounds like speakers is one of them. Um, and what things have become harder along the way? Like, you know, in terms of, I, I saw you guys are capping at 150 this year. Maybe it's the number of people you're having to deal with, but what things have become easier and what things have become harder for you? Um, I think... What keeps me very accountable, I can't speak for Lacey, what gets harder is, you know, we've had people that were there year one when we had nothing to show for it and they showed up anyway, which is huge. And I think just continuing to improve. So for the people that were there year one, seeing in year three, oh, they're hustling, they're working hard, they're continually trying to make this better for us. Um, yeah, I think just having eyes on it and continuing to make it better you know no matter who's showing up continuing to make it better and 
that's that's my thing. That's what's gotten harder is like I don't have an excuse to not be sophisticated in year three. Like we have to improve. Right. We have time in. Yeah, you're you're constantly like reinventing the wheel without losing your your key idea that got you started. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That is that is for me is maintaining our integrity, but getting more sophisticated because there are people that are paying good money and we have to continue to evolve. Yeah, I'm telling you that for sure. I mean, you obviously getting speakers is gets easier when you have some traction um, and you've got you have proven yourself for a couple of years. Um, it's still humbling every time someone says yes to us, responds in, to an email. Um, we're not expectant. We're surprised every time. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's been really, really exciting to, to have that get a little bit easier. Um, I will say Jason Kalipa, he's, he has responded to us before too. We just weren't in a spot. We could honestly couldn't afford it. Wasn't, we weren't ready yet this year. We were ready. And, um, we came back to him and he responded and and we're just so thankful for that responsiveness in in reaching out to these speakers that have connected with us they've been so great so um i don't want to make it sound like they weren't willing to work with us it's just we had to be in a position where it made sense and what's going on with them and their lives and what they're doing they had to be in a position where it made sense for them too so i think it's a combination of stars aligning gaining traction we're proven like we had a history now that certainly has helped us Mm-hmm. Um, but they're also just awesome people that like want to extend themselves and really are living out what they're talking about. So that's been great. Um, every year it's hard to get attendees. We're getting better at reaching out and, um, we're getting, we're getting better at letting people know why they need to be there and articulating that messaging better. We're growing and learning. We don't come yeah. in as experts saying we've got this thing dialed, but as I said, we're getting a little bit better every year. So um, learning how to communicate that message, share, I think broadening our network has helped, like people extending themselves saying, yeah, come on to my platform like yourself, talk to my people. Uh, yeah. we, we think this is a great thing. So the more people we get buy-in from, that's gonna continue to help and, and be organic that way. Um, we've gotten a whole lot better at figuring out the flow of the day. I mean, the little things, the detail yeah. things of just the ins and outs of where do we logistically, how do we set things up? What are the, yeah. the checklist of things we have to make sure are dialed in? How do we make this a smooth process from people from the moment they register to the moment that they walk out that door, they need to feel taken care of every step of the way. So every year we get a little bit better at that. That gets easier. Um, we're dealing with more people this year than we have before though. So we cannot lower the quality of customer service. We have to make it even better. better. Yeah. So that, um, that'll that be a challenge we're up for and we're already aware of and thinking about communication. Um, the more people you have, the harder it gets to communicate efficiently and effectively with every single person. Um, you can put it out there, but you can't always control what people are reading. And if we don't label an email in a way that you realize you need to open this thing up to know what's going on, that's our fault. That's not your fault. So owning it is, is what we're working towards, continuing to build that. Anything else you can think of that's gotten harder, easier? Uh, it's hard every year, <laughs> but it's just continually. And then just really, this is going to be the biggest that we've gone. So making sure that we keep the quality really high. Uh, regardless of how many people are in the room. So just we're adding more to our 
repertoire as far as like things that we have to have ready for the day. Um, and we'll see, you know, if we succeed this year, like we're, we're still learning. Um, we're working really hard to make it as great as last mm -hmm. year. Better, better, better. better. Yeah. Even with more people doing our best to maintain that quality. And we will never have an event. We'll never say never. Right. But our intention is to not have an event with more than 150 people. That's kind of the Dunbar number where it's hard to, you become anonymous in a group larger than that. Yeah. And we, that'll be the cap. We will not have groups larger than that at a summit. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I can't speak enough about the value of, like I said, getting outside your four walls, bouncing ideas off other gym owners. Um, one of the things I've gotten a lot of value out of is just meeting with other local gym owners, or we have a business coach talking to him on the phone. And sometimes it's just, we're just bouncing back ideas. He's not necessarily coaching so much as we're just shooting ideas back and forth. So maybe it's someone who can't afford the summit this year or the travel doesn't work, but how can people leverage this idea at home better? Do you, I mean, are people leaving the summit and creating their own focus groups with other gym owners? Like how do they leverage this idea of getting outside their own four walls, learning from other gym owners immediately, rather than necessarily having to wait till June to get this going. Um, speaking as somebody that owns a gym now, it's hard in our industry. Um, every gym, almost every gym, their favorite thing to write above the door is leave your ego at the door. And a lot of us aren't very good at that. Um, I get more response, quicker response, and an actual response from Jason Kalipa than I do from a gym down the street, which is pretty astounding. Um, he's a busy man and he still makes time. I think a lot of us have to be better at leaving our egos to the side when we approach other gyms. Um, and then just don't be afraid to ask. Somebody will probably say no. They will say no. We've tried to do local events. And even with free beer, they're not as successful as the summit. <laughs> we've, we've tried. Free attendance um, and free beer. Yeah. So if somebody, <laughs> yeah. So if somebody does it, please let us know. But it's definitely a fight that we as an industry just have to be better about letting our guard down. It has to start with that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely. I, I definitely get why it's easier to talk to Jason than it is to talk with the guy down the street because, you know, that's your competition. But It'll, it'll be a lot easier when you have your people, even in your community, on your side, I think. And I would say, don't give up after the first try. Yeah. Try again. Even if you have, you know, a very small group, try again. Um, if you didn't get the turnout, you're going to think, go back at it again. Like, oftentimes, you got to throw yourself out there several times before it starts to stick. And you got to leave your ego at the door because you have to be willing for people to not understand what you're doing or not think it's valuable um, or even feel threatened by it for some, for who knows what reasons. Um, and it's, it's really tempting to look at the person down the street and say, Oh, it's them and roll our eyes and give up and say, Oh, it's them and not reflect on ourselves and say, no, that's not acceptable. That's not an acceptable excuse. We need to say, what are how what are we doing that isn't communicating clearly? What posture are we taking? What um, historically are there relationships there that are making this more difficult? And owning your own part in it, and then course correcting from what you can control, which is yourself, not the guy down the street. 
and and not letting that become an excuse for why you can't have a successful conversation with your community. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting you guys say that, that it's tough to kind of coordinate groups because we found that as well. And I didn't even really realize I never thought about it that way, but I've had a, uh, I mean, I have one gym owner that will have lunch every couple months, six to eight weeks or so. I have other gym owners locally that, that we've met and had really productive talks where we're both genuinely trying to help the other person. But whenever we try to do it from a group standpoint, it, it always seems to kind of uh, fizzle out. You know, we get a couple people that are interested in the first email, you know, sometimes it takes them three or four days to respond or weeks to respond. And then it kind of fizzles out where I've had a lot more success with like, find a gym owner that is far enough that you guys aren't clear competition. Um, you know, I guess some people take that more literally than others. Some, some think anybody within like 50 miles is competition, but I think anybody who's like, not within a five mile radius, find the next best successful person. And, and like you said, be very genuine about, you know, what you hope to get out of it, um, where it could go and, and how you want to offer value to the other person. Cause I think more of us need to want to see others do well in our industry because the longer I've been around, the more I see that, you know, the, the local area, the CrossFit gets a bad name and that hurts all the gyms. If everyone stepped up their game and everyone did well, there's a lot more, there's a lot more of that pie to go around. It's, it's, we, we think that that one or two people that we lose to the other gym is a big deal. But really, it's the fact that 20 or 30 people had a bad experience and told 50 or another 100 people not to go to CrossFit, any CrossFit, because most people think it's all the same. So I think the more we can lift each other up in that sense, it will help all of us out. Absolutely. We'll, we'll keep trying. When it works, we'll let you know. Cool. <laughs> if any listeners have some successful ideas, we want to hear from you. Yeah. We'd love to know how you're making it work. We tried beer, so we'll try it again. <laughs> Awesome. Um, cool. So I want to wrap up. Um, I know we'll do another episode about the iron mortar gym and then how some of these ideas have translated into the gym a little bit more. Um, but I'm just, if you guys want to give us a quick synopsis about the iron and mortar summit, when are the dates, how can they sign up and, uh, what's the easiest way to, to take action if they want to join us. So you should definitely go to the iron and mortar summit.com. You can check out all the speakers that we have. We have an excellent lineup that we're super humbled that they agreed to come and share their stories with the community. Some of the people coming, just, I know oh. you mentioned Jason. Good, good question. We have Jason Khalifa. We have James Fitzgerald from OPEX, uh, JP Carolmutter from Brick. We have Chris Spieler, uh, Miranda and Julian Alcaraz from Street Parking. And then we have Jay Williams from Two Brain Business coming. And we also have this year introducing a new feature with more people. <laughs> um, we have lunch intensives that will be hosted by additional people that are coming to the group that um, are not going to be delivering keynotes, but are going to be available for mentor sessions. You get your lunch intensive. It's first come, first serve. So you get after people have signed up and we have our we have a date where we send you out your request and you give us your top three choices for lunch, where you want to sit on your two intensives, who you want to be with. And then we assign according to who signs up in what order. We keep track of all of that. So um, our intensive hosts this year, we have Stu Brower coming back. He's going to host a table for us. We've got, um, we have Stephen Hitt. He is a 
speaker from the past two years at the summit. He's incredible. Um, he owns a gym in the Seattle area, soon to be a second location. Uh, then we have Jim Kroll, CEO of OPEX. And then we have uh, actually someone that's not in the fitness industry per se, but he is a member of ours. He's sold millions of dollars in sales, millions of dollars in sales. Uh, his name's Tori Mosetter. He will host table for sales. He's amazing. We've used it. We've used it. He's coached <laughs> us. And then we have the brand. Is that expert. how you want me to do this podcast? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we have uh, hosts from the brand X method to hopefully help help people implement successful kids programs at their gyms. Am I missing awesome. anybody? I might be hosting. Oh, Lacey might host. Yeah. <laughs> nice. About uh, how to help, how to coach your employees through difficult behavior stuff, how to get turnaround and change things um, in employee behavior. Oh, I love that. Um, so I kind of cut you off. So uh, speakers, did you say the date yet? And then how, to, how people can sign up? Yes, the Iron and Mortar Summit, you can sign up there. It's going to be June 24th and 25th. It's a Monday and Tuesday in Portland, Oregon. It's going to be at a boutique hotel in downtown Portland. We're going to give you the total Portland vibe if you show up. Um, it's going to be awesome. We're super excited about it. It's going to be beautiful weather. It's like the only time you should come to the Pacific Northwest for vacation, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So we're trying to get people there during the great time of year. Um, but yeah, we're really excited about it. Yeah. I think it's going to be great. The ironandmortarsummit.com. Sign up. You'll be prompted immediately to buy your ticket. So. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for, thanks for being on the podcast. We'll talk soon. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Hey, guys. This is Andrew again. Thank you for listening to the 7 Figure Box podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. We're on a mission to help box owners around the world create their dream gyms, whether that means building a seven-figure gym or simply creating a gym that they love showing up to each day. So please leave us a review and share this episode with a fellow coach or gym owner that could benefit from this information.